So, because of all the excitement in my life, I was not planning to preach today. And because of that, I have invited our second special guest, a good friend of mine. We've been friends for a while now. And the more time we've been friends, the more I appreciate this guy. Pastor Kyle Brownlee is a lead pastor from uh, Defiance, Ohio, from Experience Church. And it's an amazing church growing so rapidly. They just moved into a new location to make room. And God is blessing him and his wife. And this is his second time speaking at Generation Church. Uh, so we're so excited for him to bring the word of God today. I know it's going to be a major blessing to you. So he came on short notice to help out because he loves our church and he cares about what's going on in our lives. I surprised him with not a lot of heads up. Hey, man, there's going to be a baby here. Can you come preach for me? And he agreed to come the first Sunday of the year, which is a huge blessing. So will you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Kyle. Wow. How many know that's a tough act to follow? Lila. And I just so excited for your pastors. How many know Pastor Ryan and Pastor Amy are the real deal? They're the real deal. In fact, I was just thinking about uh, them this week as I was planning and praying and preparing to come. And I just was thinking, not only are they incredible leaders, not only are they awesome friends, but I know they're going to be amazing parents. They're going to be amazing mom and amazing dad. And so we are celebrating with them from Ohio and just excited for the season that they are entering into. And we know it's a season where there's no rest. Come on, somebody. So got to come down and help give them a little bit of a, a break, but uh, just celebrating the gift that God has entrusted to them. And, and speaking of gifts, I did want to uh, introduce you to my family. Uh, they couldn't be here with me in person, but I wanted you to at least see a picture of them. And so this is the Brownlee crew. Can you kind of see them a little bit? That's appropriate. That's appropriate that you gave me a half clap and you cheered for Lila. I just want you to know that's exactly how things should be. But uh, my beautiful wife, Justina, uh, just an amazing woman of God. She's actually preaching at Experience Church today and bringing an amazing word uh, there at our church that we are uh, just privileged to pastor. And then uh, starting from the left is my oldest son, Jace. He's 10 years old, uh, also known as J-Dub. And then on the right is my precious princess, Tessa Grace, also known as Teta Bear or Spesh. And then uh, the guy there in the middle was our surprise. We weren't planning on him, but he came anyways. And uh, his name is Braxton, also known as B. Rax. And so those are my, that's the Brownlee crew that God has blessed me with. And so just wanted to give you a little bit of a, a look inside my life. I, I should have brought another picture of how we really are, of us like messing up each other's hair and fighting and all that. That would have been more real life. But I'm excited to be here with you guys. It's, it's really an honor uh, for me to be here. And I feel like God has given me a message for Generation Church on this first Sunday of the new year. And I just kind of want to start things off by diving in the truth of God's word and, and taking a look at a passage of scripture that's really going to set the tone for all that God's going to do in our lives today. And so let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter one. 
Starting in verse one, it says, these are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. And as I was reading that, thinking about that, how how many of us know that God will still speak to us in the wilderness moments of our lives and those dry places when we're lost, when we're hurting, when we're confused, when we, we don't know where to go, God will speak to us in those wilderness moments of our lives. And I just can't help but think that some of us that are in the room today, that we might find ourselves in a wilderness place. And one of the things I love about our God is that he speaks to each and every one of us exactly where we're at with exactly what we need to hear. And I'm, I'm believing for that uh, to happen to us today. And he goes on to say, it takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnes by the Mount Seir Road. Here we see Moses reminding the, the Israelites, reminding the people of God of, of how God had delivered them from 400 years of oppression, 400 years of slavery, 400 years of abuse in the land of Egypt, how God parted the Red Sea, how they walked over on dry ground, and then how God destroyed their enemies right in front of them, and that it only takes 11 days to go from the Red Sea to the promised land. But take a look at what Moses says to the Israelites next. In the 40th year. Now, math was not my best subject in school, but I feel like there's a pretty big difference between 11 days and 40 years. And here Moses is is reminding the Israelites, because we let our doubt be greater than our faith, because we decided to trust in ourselves rather than putting our trust in our God, and because we decided to do what we thought was best instead of doing what God commanded us to do, we turned an 11-day trip into a 40-year experience. And I don't know about you, but unfortunately, I can relate to making the same mistake in some of the areas of my life, knowing God is calling me to different places, knowing God wants me to do different things, but, but, but letting my doubt be greater than my faith, uh, trusting in myself more than trusting in God and doing what I thought was best for my life instead of doing what God was commanding me to do. I've turned some things that, that should have taken 11 days to overcome And 40 years later, I'm still dealing with it in my life. I wonder if anybody can relate to me today. It says, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, that would have been in the January, February timetable. Uh, And so it's very fitting for the message today. Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning God's people concerning the Israelites. Here, Moses is is telling God's people that that these aren't his words, that God is commanding this. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't just a, a good idea. This isn't something for them to think about, but instead God is commanding them. God is telling them this. Parents, have we ever done this with our kids? In fact, one of my favorite lines I get to use as a dad is, I'm not asking you I'm telling you, son, you thought earlier when I told you to go clean your room, you thought that was just a good suggestion. Something for you to think about. I'm not asking you, son. I'm telling you, you better go clean your room or there will be repercussions. 
as a result. And this, in essence, is what God is telling his kids. No, I'm commanding you this. I believe God's speaking the same thing to all of us in our lives today. Because how many of us know that God didn't deliver us just to be forgiven? He delivered us so that we can be free. And too many Christians, I'm telling you, too many Christian, Christians experience God's forgiveness, but they never encounter his freedom. Too many Christians live in God's grace. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm grateful for his grace. But too many Christians experience God's grace, but they never encounter his victory. And I believe God doesn't want to just give us grace. He wants to give us freedom. He doesn't want to just give us forgiveness. He wants us to experience his victory in our lives. And too many of us, we come to church and we cry out for God's forgiveness and we thank him for his grace and we should do all those things. But how many of us know at some point, God wants our relationship with him to evolve to we're not just asking for forgiveness. I'm thanking him for his freedom. I'm thanking him for his victory. God, thank you for what you brought me out of. Thank you. I don't have to go back to that. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. And so let's take a look at what God through Moses is telling his people. Verse six, Deuteronomy chapter one says, the Lord, our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. This is a word I believe God is speaking over all of us today that we've been here long enough. We stayed at this place long enough. We stayed at the mountain of guilt long enough. We stayed at the mountain of shame long enough. We've stayed at the mountain of discouragement long enough. We've stayed at the mountain of complacency long enough. We, we stayed at this mountain of defeat long enough. We stayed at this mountain of addiction long enough. We've been here long enough. This is the word God's given me for us today, that there's some areas of our lives that we would look at and God would put his finger on and say, you've been there long enough. Because what does God tell his people in the very next verse? Break camp and advance. And how many of us know there comes a time in our lives when we have to break away from some things in our past, break away from some things in our lives, to let go of some things in our lives, to let go of some things in our past so that we can grab a hold of something else. This is the word God's given us in 2020, that we let go of some things God never meant for us to grab a hold of, and we let go of those and grab a hold of what we've meant to have, what he's destined us to have in our lives. Because how many of us know that, that it says break camp advance, that, that God's kingdom, Christianity is all about advancement. Christianity is all about moving forward. In other words, I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I want to be a better husband today than I was yesterday. I want to be a better father today than I was yesterday. In fact, my life verse, or it's not my life verse, it's not my verse for the year, it's my life verse. Uh, it's Ephesians, or it says, make the most of every opportunity. That's my, I want to make the most of every opportunity God has given. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I want to have more wisdom today than I had yesterday. I want to know God in a way today that I didn't know yesterday. God's kingdom, Christianity, it's all about advancement and moving forward in our lives. Verse 8 says, see, I have given. Everybody say given. 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 As a gift. I've given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers. 
to Abraham, Isaac, and this isn't a new thing, Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So today I want to challenge us not to settle in the wilderness, but instead that we would go in and possess the promises that God has for us. Because I don't know about you, God's, God's brought me too far for me to turn back now. God's done too much in my life for me to sit down and settle for less than his best for my life, for less than his best for my family, for less than his best for my kids. He's brought me too far for me to sit down and settle for less than what he has for me. And so the title of my message today is that we've been here, we've been here too long. We've been here long enough. We've been here long enough. In fact, help me preach the message today. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell them we've been here long enough. Go ahead and tell them we've been here. Man, we've been here long enough. We've been here long enough. You know, I was, I was thinking about uh, just the story with the Israelites and, and Moses and the promised land and their journey and, and how we've been on this mountain long enough. I was reminded of uh, a time a couple years ago when my family and I, we went skiing for the very first Time. And just to preface, uh, B-Rax was only one years old, so we didn't even take him on the trip. How I many of that's wisdom? Come on. Left him at home with grandma. You ain't get a roll with us, bro. And then my wife actually ran track in college, and she was a pole vaulter, even though she's only five foot one. And i um, not sure how she pulled that off. But uh, she ended up blowing her knee out twice, and has had ACL surgery twice. So she's not a skier either. And so just me and, and Jace, who was eight at the time, and Tessa Bear, who was six at the time, we go skiing for the very first time. And so the very first day, I was smart and using wisdom, and we entered into ski school, where they teach us the basics. How do you stop? How do you turn? How do you not fall that much? And so we went through ski school the first day. And at the end, our instructor goes, you guys are good to go. You guys can hit the slopes tomorrow. I go, what? Did you not see me today? Did, I was falling off. I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, nah, you're good to go. I was like, okay, well, he knows what he's doing. Let's hit it tomorrow. So the next day I was looking at the map. We get up, we get our gear on. And I find this trail called Hacksaw Ridge. Come on, I'm a guy. I'm always trying to go that next level. We, we got this, kids. We can do this. We take the ski lift up that morning. We ski around. We come around the Hacksaw Ridge. I look, it's like straight down. I might have peed a little bit when I looked at it. I'm just saying. Hopefully that's a, not inappropriate. And Jason Tessa are like, let's go, Dad. We got this. I'm like, um... I could probably do it, kids, but y'all ain't ready for Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. Let's go. And I whipped out the map. I go, we're going to take the bunny trails down the mountain. This is a true story. And so we went off on the journey of taking the worst trails, the slowest. Like at one point we were like walking, you know what I mean? Like they're so flat. And, and, and so I'm, I'm navigating every, every like 20 minutes. I got the map out, trying to take another trail. And somewhere along the way, I took the wrong trail, took a wrong turn. And before we know, we find ourselves the only option is to go back on Hacksaw Ridge. And the problem is we only went down a third of the mountain and the three hours we had been trying to take the bunny slopes down, we still had two thirds left to go. And so I'm sitting there with my map with the kids and, and I'm just trying to make sure this is our only option. And they don't give kids uh, ski poles. They just give them the little skis. And, and so Tess is six and Jace is eight and they're just standing on the side of the mountain waiting for dad to tell them, let's go Hacksaw Ridge. And as I got the map out, Tessa just falls over. She loses her balance and she falls over. Well, it's the worst when you when your ski boots come out of the skis. Because when you get snow on the bottom, they won't click into your skis. And so here's 
this six-year-old girl on the side of a mountain, getting ready to go on a hacksaw ridge, trying to clean off her ski boots so she can click back into her skis. And she gets the left one in, and then she's like balancing on the side of the mountain to kind of clean off the bottom of her boot. And she just can't get it. And me and Jace are like, come on, you can do it. Because we got our skis on. It's hard to get over to her. We can't really help her. And we're just saying, you can do it. All of a sudden, she just starts crying. She's this little girl, six. I can't do it. She's crying. And she just sits down on the side of the mountain and says, I can't do it. I'm just going to stay here. And so at this point, being a dad, I got to go fix this. And so I like hobble over with my skis. And I go up to her. I just put my pole in the ground right next to her. I say, Tessa. We've been on this mountain long enough. We're hangry. We're tired. It's been like four hours. I know I took you on the bunny slopes. We haven't gone that far in four hours. We've been here long enough. Let's go. Grab my pole. Come on. We're going to the bottom. And so she's still crying, grabs my pole, steps up, cleans off her boot, clicks in. And I'm thinking to myself, well, she's not mentally prepared for this. There's no way she's ready. Psychologically, she's not ready for Hacksaw Ridge. I got to give her a speech. I'm a pastor. Let me inspire her. And so I'm like, thinking to myself, I'm going to tell her not to die, because if she dies, her mom's going to kill me. They were both dead. Nobody wants that. As I'm getting ready to give her the speech of a lifetime and motivate her, she just takes off. Didn't even wait for dad to give her a speech. She takes off. She's still crying. She's still crying. And here, so then dad just starts yelling commands. All right, control your speed. Watch the other skiers. Don't hit any trees. And before now, we're off on this thing. And we're going down Hacksaw Ridge. And Tessa is killing it. Now, just so you know, Jace is my athlete. Jace plays sports year-round. So I wasn't as surprised that he was doing good. Tessa, I was like, I was really worried about her. She's flying down the hill like a pro. All three of us, because dad did pretty good too, all three of us go all the way down the mountain and we get down there and I ski up next to her. I go, Tessa, that was awesome. And I had my ski poles in my hand, so I just headbutted her, you know, and like, like, a, like a little high five, you know, and she's just grinning from ear to ear because she did something she didn't think she could do. She overcame something she didn't think she could overcome, and she went to a place she had never been before. And after that moment, she had a different swag about her. There was a different confidence about her on that mountain. In fact, I took a picture the next day of her. Look at her. There's Tessa in her pink goggles and all. That's the next day at the top of the mountain, ready to go do it again. I was so proud of her. I was in, inspired by her. And I just wonder how many of us are in the room today and God is standing over us and we've sat down and we've settled and we've been here long enough and God is standing next to us with a pole in the ground going, come on, there's more in you. There's more I have for you. You've been here long enough. Come on, stand up. Let's go to a place you've never been before. Let's overcome some things you don't think you can overcome. Come on, let's do it together. Let's go, because we've been here long enough. And so as we're studying this story, one of the things I love about the Bible is that we get to learn from other people's mistakes. And it's because what's interesting is that when Moses is saying this uh, to the, the Israelites in Deuteronomy in the 40th year, it was 40 years later. They should have been there in 11 days, but they were there 40, day, 40 years later. What happened? 
Why didn't they trust? Why did they let their doubt be greater than their faith? Why did they decide to, to, to trust in themselves and to do what they thought was best instead of doing what God commanded them to do? And so we're going to study the story and what went wrong with them so we don't make the same mistake in 2020. Can we do that? So let's take a look at, at Numbers chapter 13. This is 40 years before Deuteronomy. God has just parted the Red Sea. They just walked over on dry ground. God's just destroyed their enemies right in front of them. And it's an 11-day journey now. Let's go to the promised land. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 says this. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. The same thing he's been saying for all these years. I'm giving you this land. Send some men to spy it out. And so Moses sends 12 men, also known as 12 spies, to go into the promised land for 40 days. That number's significant. For 40 days to go in there and just kind of kick the tires. See what kind of land is it? Is there, are there people living in the land? If so, are they, are they big and strong or are they weak? Can we defeat them in battle or are they going to be difficult? How's the land? How's the soil? Is it, is it a good land? Can we live off the land? What are we getting ourselves into? And so the 12 men, the 12 spies go over to the promised land and they all come back after 40 days with this, all saying the same thing. They all agree upon one thing and that is, it's perfect. It's exactly what they need. It's, it's, it's better than they even thought. The, the land has everything they could ever want or even need. It's perfect. In fact, the Bible tells us that when they were spying out the land, they came across this big old cluster of grapes that was so big when they cut it down, it took two men just to be able to carry it. How many? That's a lot of grapes. It's a lot of grapes. And so they come back after 40 days and they report back to Moses and, and, and to all the Israelites and, and they're telling them, man, God hooked this up. This land's better than we thought it was going to be. How many of that's just kind of the God we serve? It's even better than we thought it was going to be. It's even better than I thought it was going to be as I say yes to him. So they're telling uh, Moses and all them that, that, that it's an awesome land. It's perfect. It's everything we wanted. But 10 of the spies give a bad report. And two of the spies give a good report. Ten spies say, hey, don't get excited. Don't get your hopes up because there's giants living in the land. And they're strong and they're mighty and they're powerful. And there's no way that we can conquer them in battle. Even though I know God said that he was giving us the land. Even though God called us to the land, it just doesn't seem possible. But then two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's absolutely ripe for the taking. The land is, we got to go. I don't know what God they serve, but we serve the God who just parted at the Red Sea, delivered us from 400 years of oppression, who allowed us to walk over on dry ground, who destroyed our very enemies right in front of us. I don't know what God they serve, but the God who got us here will get us there. The God who's done it before We'll do it again. And we serve a God who makes the impossible possible. And I just wonder who is in this place today. And you just need to be reminded of all the things God has already done in your life. He's already done so many miracles. And the God who got you here will get you there. Some of us just need to be reminded how big our God is. Let's take a look at it in scripture. Numbers 13 verse 25. Now they departed and they came back to 12 men, 12 spies to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. 
They brought back the word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit, the grapes of the land. Then they told him and and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, people who dwell in the land are strong. Man, the cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb, I love his faith. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. I love how Caleb has this faith to rise up and say, you know what? The time is now. Legacy is now. Our destiny is now. Our promised land is today. I wonder if there's any Caleb's in the house house that had the faith to speak to their situations. The time is now. I've been here long enough. My destiny is now. My legacy is now. My promised land starts today in 2020. Verse 31 though says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land though, through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anna came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight too. Man, God's people were so close to going where God was calling them to go, but there were some things that kept them from going in and possessing it. And how many of us know that just because God called us to it doesn't mean we're not going to have to fight in order to take hold of it. And I don't know where we've limited God. I don't know where we've told God there's no way. I don't know where we've limited ourselves and said, I I just don't think I can overcome that. I, I don't think I can do that. There's just no way. I don't know where we've sat down and settled in our lives and said, it can't happen. It won't happen. There's just no way. Hey, sure, there are giants living in the land. Sure, there are some battles that we're gonna have to fight, but if God called us to it, how many of us know he'll see us through it? And the giants that stand in front of us aren't greater, aren't bigger, aren't stronger than the God who stands beside us. And so today, I just wanna give us three things that we can learn from the Israelites' mistakes. Three things they didn't do that they should have done so they didn't delay their destinies. So we don't make the same mistake in 2020 in our lives today. So if you're taking notes, I know that you are. The first, the first thing that we can learn from their mistakes is number one, is that we need to vet the voices. Vet the voices in our lives. How many of us know we need to make sure that we are letting the right voices speak into our lives and have influence over our decisions. Here we see the 10 spies saying, we can't, there's no way, it's impossible, but only two of them said, we absolutely can. How many know that's sometimes how it is in our lives? The majority wants to tell us all the reasons why we can't. The majority wants to tell us why our dreams can't become a reality. The majority wants to give us their thoughts, their opinions, and their good ideas. But how many of us know, I don't want a good idea. I want a God idea. I want to know what God says. I don't know about you. When I'm making a major decision in my life, when I, when I need to have clarity about what I'm about to do, I don't need people around me that are just going to tell me their opinion. I need people around me who are going to tell me, what does God say about this? What does he think? And that's what I love about Joshua and Caleb, because they didn't allow the voice of the critic 
to be louder than the voice of their God. And how many of us know we need to do the same thing in our lives? Because there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices. And so the question I have to ask myself that we should ask to ourselves today is, what, what voices are we listening to? What, what people do we allow to speak into our lives today? Who have we surrounded ourselves with? Who do we go to to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. What do you think about that? Are they giving us their thoughts, their ideas, their opinions? As, as much as they might be well-intentioned, I don't need their thoughts. I don't need their opinions. I need to know, what does God say? What does God think about this? I need God's voice to be louder than any other voice in my life. If I'm going to go to a place I've never been before, if I'm going to overcome some things I've never overcame before, if I'm going to go to the place that God's called me to go because I've been at this place way too long, I need to vet the voices and make sure God's voice is the loudest in my life. And if that's the case, if you're taking notes, write this down. And that is the voices we believe will determine the future we experience. The voices we believe, the, the voices we choose to listen to, the voices that we choose to believe will determine the future we experience in our lives. That's why it's vital for God's voice to be the loudest. I think so many of us struggle is because God's voice isn't the loudest and God's voice, we're not even listening to God's voice. We have all these other voices speaking into our lives and we end up making bad decisions because God's voice is the quietest, not the loudest. So not only do we need to make God's voice the loudest in our external voices that we hear, but how many of us know that we need to also make God's voice the loudest on the internal voices too? I don't know about you, but some of the things that have kept me back the most in my life from going where God's called me to go was some of the voices I heard on the inside. Some of those voices of condemnation, some of those voices of insecurity. Anybody else ever deal with a little insecurity? Some of those voices of discouragement. Now, I don't know about you, but God's delivered me from a lot. I, I, I struggled with a drug addiction for many years in my life. I spent, spent three and a half years incarcerated. Don't worry, I didn't just get out last week. It's been a couple months. <laughs> I'm teasing. It was 20 years ago when God delivered me, when my, my Red Sea parted. But at the same time, those voices of condemnation can come alongside me, even to this day, and say, you know what you've done. You can't be a pastor. That, that stain's always going to be with you. You know where you've been. You know some of the things that you've done. You know some of the doors that you have opened. God can't forgive you for what you've done. And, and, and in that struggle, God gave me this, like, this phrase that I would just kind of speak to some of those voices, and that is this. I hear you, but I ain't listening. Because how many of us know you, you can't just turn those voices off? They come in, right? They come in like a flood sometimes. Sometimes they're overwhelming. I just, I, I'm insecure. I'm struggling. When those voices come in, I just say, I hear you, but I ain't listening. Next time those voices of insecurity come and say, You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. You're damaged goods. I hear you. But I ain't listening. Next time those voices of discouragement say, you can't overcome this. You're always going to deal with this. This is always going to plague you. This is always going to be a part of your life. I hear you, but I ain't listening. I'm not choosing to believe that. I'm not choosing to listen to that. Instead, I'm going to make God's voice the loudest in my life by getting the truth of his word in my heart. In fact, I love what 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says. It says, everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us. Wow. It's already in you. Right. Powerful, isn't it? I don't gotta, I don't gotta go find it. I don't have to act a certain way for a certain amount of time in order to receive it. No, God said, when you believed in me, I, I already put that thing in you. In fact, turn to the neighbor and just tell him it's in you. Tell him it's already in you. 
Come on, encourage your neighbor. Tell him it's in you. It's already in you. How cool is that? So good. It's already in me. I don't got to perform a certain way. I don't got to. God put that in us. We already have everything we need to be who he's created us to be. We already have everything we need to do what he's calling us to do. For all this was lavished upon us through, through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come in to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Come in. Come on. Come into the promised land. I have so much more for you. Come on in. Get in here. I got so much more I want to do in your life. Don't settle for the wilderness. Don't sit down on that mountain anymore. There's more. You've been there long enough. Come on. Come on in and experience the life that only I can give to you. And if we're going to experience that, we got to vet the voices. Make sure I'm listening to the right voices and I'm allowing the right voices to speak into my life. The second mistake that the Israelites made, if you're taking notes, that we can learn from today is number two, is to understand what we say is what we see. What we say is what we see. Remember what the 10 spies said that affected how they saw their situation and how they even saw themselves. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33 says it like this. There we saw the giants... The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And what did they say? And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight too. That's what they said. And that's what they saw. How many of us know our words are powerful? The words we speak are powerful. The Bible tells us that God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. Words are powerful. In fact, take a look at what King Solomon says about the power of our words. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and the power of death. In other words, we can either be speaking life-giving words over our situations, over ourselves, or we can be speaking life, taking words over our situations and over ourselves. What did the 10 spies speak? They said, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. We're insignificant. We're powerless. We're nothing compared to them. That's what they said. And that's what they saw. What about us today? What what are we speaking over our lives? What are we telling ourselves? Will we say the words we speak over our situations, over ourselves? Are they more life-giving or are they more life-taking? Man, I'm I'm never going to get it right. I never get it right. I can't do this. I'm so stupid. Why do I keep giving into that thing? Why do I keep going back to that? I'm never going to overcome it. I'm never going to break free. It's just never going to happen. Life-taking words. Or or we say we speak more life-giving words. Man, I can do this. I have what it takes. Man, today's going to be a great day. You know why? Because I'm going to make it a great day. I have a saying with my kids. I say, go make it a great day. How do you do that? With my attitude. I'm going to go have a good attitude. doesn't matter what happens today. doesn't matter what I go through. No, I'm going to make it a great day. Right before they go to school, I said, Jace, Tessa, make it a great day. Have a good attitude. No, go in there with a speak life over you. What are we speaking over ourselves? Life giving words. God's with me. God's got a plan for me. Or life taking words. How many of us would say in 2020, we need to speak more life-giving words over ourselves and over the people around us? Well, if that's the case, then I want you to write this down. And that is, if we want to speak life-giving words, we have to fill up on life-giving things. If we want to speak life-giving words, we have to fill up on life-giving things. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. 
It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And here's the line I want you to see. For the mouth speaks what the heart's full of. The mouth speaks what the heart's full of. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we filling ourselves up with? What are we filling our hearts up with? Because what we fill our hearts up with will eventually come out of us. And that's why it's important for us to fill ourselves up with the truth of God's word. That I'm, I'm, I'm reading God's word, not just to read it, not just to do another devotional, but I'm, what am I doing? I'm not just reading the Bible today. I'm getting filled up with some truth. I'm getting filled up with some life. I'm filling myself up with the truth and the power of God's word. And let me just say this. Don't just read the Bible. How I many know we need to let the Bible read us? I need the Bible to speak to me. I need to get the Bible deep down in my heart. In fact, one of my goals for 2020, I'm not really a resolution guy. I'm more of a goal guy. And one of my goals for 2020 is to memorize a verse every week in 2020. So 52 verses, just one verse every week, starting on a Monday. And I'm just going to memorize it. I'm just going to quote it. I'm going to memorize it each day. Just look at it. I want, I want to get God's word in my heart. I want some ammunition in my gun. Next time I'm discouraged, next time I'm going through something, I got some, I got some bullets I can pull out and start shooting at those lies that try and creep into my heart. So I, I don't want to just read God's word. I want it to read me. I want to get it deep down in my heart. You want to know what my, my, my first verse for 2020 is? You want to know what my, my verse for, first verse for 2020 is? Come on. You're in, you're in this. You want this. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, and it says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except for what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, that's life-giving words. I want to speak life-giving words to myself. I want to speak life-giving words to my kids. I want to speak life-giving words to my wife. I want to speak life-giving words. There's too much life-taking things in this world today. Just get on social media and you can see a lot of life-taking things. I need some life-giving people around me. I need to speak some life-giving words in 2020. I want to be a source of life, giving that to the people around me. And then finally, the third thing that we can learn from the Israelites' mistake and what caused them to delay and derail their destinies and, and turn an 11-day journey into a 40-year experience is, is number three, is to understand that the promise is greater than the problem. The promise is greater than the problem. Think about it. How can Joshua and Caleb be so confident in taking the promised land? How can they have so much peace knowing there's giants living in the land, knowing what's up in front of them? The reason is because at the end of the day, they realize this isn't our idea. This wasn't our plan to begin with. This was God's plan. We're here because God brought us here. He's the one that parted the Red Sea. I thought that was a dumb idea until it parted. Right? They all did. They all we were, he brought us out here to kill us. And all of a sudden, the wind blew all night long and the water started to go back. It was a process. It wasn't just an instant deliverance. And they started to see God's hand moving in their lives and they walked over on dry ground. They go, that was a pretty good plan. God knew what he was doing. I didn't think it was going to work, but his promise is greater than the problem. And I've seen it over and over and over. And I realized it wasn't my idea to begin with. How many of us know obedience is our responsibility? Outcome is God's responsibility. I'm just going to be faithful with what he's telling me to do today. I don't even need to figure it out. I don't even know how is it going to work. How, I'm at the Red Sea. How is he going to, he's going to, we're going to build boats. How are we going to get across here? How many they never would have figured that out? 
Not one of those Israelites go, well, I think what's going to happen is the wind's going to blow. and Nobody knew that was going to happen. But their job wasn't to try and figure out God's plan, as so many of us try and do. Their responsibility was obedience. God's responsibility was outcome. And they just had this, they just, as they trusted, as they focused on the promises of God, God took care of their problems, right? And you know what? And so you see there the power of our focus. And in 2020, how many of us know we need to be focused on God's promises, not our problems? And you know a good way to tell which, which, where, where you're at, if you're focused on the problems or the promises, what kind of prayers do you pray? Do you pray problem-centered prayers or promise-centered prayers? Because if you're anything like me, there's been moments of my life when I felt overwhelmed by what I was up against that I just got into this habit of telling, all, telling God all the things that were going wrong in my life. God, I'm struggling with this. God, you know, this is happening. And this is, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, anybody else? And all of a sudden, I realized my prayer life is just problem-centered. One of the things I love about David in the Bible is that David, uh, in the Psalms, he always told God his, you know, his issues, his problems, as we should. This is going on. I need you to do this. But he never just ended with a problem-centered prayer. He always ended the Psalms with, but you said, God. But you said, but you're faithful. But you brought me here. God, you will not leave me nor forsake me, God. But you said. And I'm just challenging us in 2020. If we're going to tell God our problems, I think that's fine. But let's end every prayer with a promise. But you said, God. But you said, I'm a trust in in you. I want my prayers to be promise-centered, not problem-centered. It's about our focus. And you see Joshua and Caleb, they're focused on the promises of God. And as we close today, Numbers chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, says, if the Lord delights in us, Joshua and Caleb speaking here, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Notice the focus. It's not, hey, if we can swing our swords just right and kind of cut the legs of the giants and if we can just kind of sneak up on them and surprise them and get the jump on them, then we're going to be, no, 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 has not, had nothing to do with the problem. Right. Had everything to do with the, Problems. you're following me, I love it. If the Lord delights, it's a, it's a spiritual battle. I'm living for him. My job's obedience. Yeah. His job's outcome. Then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey and has massive grapes. Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the battle they're about to fight. It's all about the relationship. I just know if 2020 is going to be the best year of our lives, it's got to be the best year spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm going places with God that I've never been before. And all of a sudden, I know that spills over. All of a sudden, my marriage is better. My kids are thriving. I have more peace and joy in my life than ever before. And it wasn't because this situation changed or I got the promotion or this happened. It's because I'm, I'm going to a place with God I've never been before. And I got this joy that's unspeakable. I got this peace that transcends all understanding. And I just know, man, God's with me. And I'm, I'm loving life. Loving life. Don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Don't worry. Don't make, the, don't make the problems bigger than God's promises. For they are our bread. I love that. They are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. In other words, Caleb's saying, we're going to eat these guys for lunch. They're nothing. We got this. We got this thing.
We're going to eat them for lunch because the promise is greater than the problem. In other words, there's one thing that separates us from the giants in the land, and that is God's hand is on us. His protection is with us and his power goes before us. So it doesn't matter what we're up against in our lives today. The promise is greater than the problem. I don't know what you're facing. You might have came in discouraged. There might be something in your life that you've been battling with. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a job thing. Maybe it's a relationship thing. I'm just telling you, it's not bigger than your God. It might be facing it. You might be struggling. You might be discouraged. But we've been in that mountain long enough. And God said, come on. I got more for you. I'm with you. I'm greater. I'm bigger. And so I'm focused on the problem. Promise, the promise, not the problem. God's promises remind us that we're going to eat our enemies for lunch, like bread. You know, what I love as we study the Bible. Two things every great hero of the faith, every great hero of the Bible had in common. One, they were all messed up. They all made a ton of mistakes, which I don't know about you. I love that fact because I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, too. I can relate to them. But the second thing all these heroes of the faith had in common was they had this innate ability to look at their situations and say, I know what it looks like, but my God's greater. I know what my situation says, but my God's bigger. I know what's I know how I feel, but my God's bigger than my feelings. My God's greater than what I'm up against. You see, the 10 spies, they were focused on the giants of the land. But Joshua and Caleb were focused on the God of the giants. They were focused on the promise, not the problem. Today, I believe God wants to do some things in our lives. I believe God's speaking to many of us in this place. And he's saying, you've been there long enough. Come on, you've been there long enough. Come on, you've been there. Let's break camp. Let's break away from, from some things of our past. Let's break away from some old mindsets. Let's break away from discouragement. Let's break away from complacency. And let's go to a place that's advanced and go to a place we've never been before. Do you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love that never fails, God. Only you can go to the depths of our hearts. Only you can change us from the inside out. Only you can give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Only you, God, can give us a hope that doesn't disappoint. And right now in this place, can we just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life today? because we want all that God has for us in this place. God, have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts, have your way in our lives. We know there's more and we want all that you have for us. As we're praying today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in this place. And you know God's calling you to put him first in your life. Maybe God's been a part, but he's not been first. He's calling you to live a God-first life, to surrender your life, to no longer be complacent, to no longer settle for less than his best, to say, here's my life, God. Change me, save me, forgive me. Today in this place, you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, the Lord and Savior of your heart, to go to a place you've never been before. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, 
and you realize I need to put God first in my life, I need to surrender my heart to him, would you lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. Here's my life. I'm lifting it high and saying, God, change me. God, do a work in me. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. And right now in this place, I give you my heart. I surrender my life. God, change me. God, forgive me. God, restore me. Redeem me. Fill me. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. As we continue praying today, maybe there's, maybe there's an area of your life God put his finger on today. Maybe you came in discouraged. Maybe you came in defeated. Maybe you came in struggling with an addiction. Whatever it is, you know you've been at that mountain long enough. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe some things you've done in your past, but you've been at that mountain long enough. And today in this place, it's time to break free, break camp, and advance to go where God's calling you to go. If that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven right now? Come on, there's an area. You know it. God's speaking to you. Come on, 2020, I'm going to a place I've never been before. I'm not settling for the wilderness. I'm not settling for less than God's best in my life. I want all that you have for me, God. I'm here today in this place. I'm going for it. We've been here too long. Right where you are, would you just stand to your feet? I want to look you in the eye. I want to pray for you. If you raise your hand, and you know there's an area, I want to look you in the eye. Come on, I want to pray for you. Come on, let's lift our hands to Jesus. Father, God, you and you alone, only you, God, can deliver. Only you can heal. Only you can set free. Only you can forgive, God. Only you can fill the void of our hearts. And right now in this place, God, we're going to break camp. We've been here long enough. We're not staying. We're not staying where we are. We're going where you're calling us to go. And right now, God, I pray that you give us the strength to vet the voices. Right now, there's some people in our lives that have influence that they shouldn't. God, we want to surround ourselves with the right people, with the right voices. We want to hear your voice. God, we're going to watch the words we speak over our lives. What we say is what we see. God, we want to speak life-giving words over our situation. Yes, you can. Come on. Yes, you can. It's in you. It's already in you. It's already in you. It's already in you. It's already in you. He already put it there. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We're going to focus on the promise, not the problem. Father, I pray you do a work in our lives. God, we love you. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place, that you're taking us to higher heights and greater depths with you, God. More of you and less of us in 2020, God, that you would increase and we would decrease, God. We love you in this place. We honor you. I speak a blessing over everyone in Jesus' name. And if you're with me, everybody say amen. Amen. Come on, let's get to our feet. Come on, let's stand. Let's worship the King. Let's honor the name that's above every name. Come on, let's lift his name up.